welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. As always, it is your host, Nick Sararis, and yes, I know my lazy ass needs to produce more content, but still recovering from a magical weekend in State College, Pennsylvania, where I got to see the Penn State Nittany Lions beat Auburn in person. One of the great sporting experiences of my life. One of those things you kind of, as a sports fan, that the whiteout at Beaver Stadium needs to be on your bucket list. It did not disappoint. Yes, it did help immensely that Penn State played well and won the game. But even if Penn State hadn't won, just the energy, the pageantry, it's everything you love about college football condensed into one weekend. I, I'm still kind of detached from it. It kind of doesn't feel like I was actually there. Like it's hard for my brain to process. I was actually lucky enough to be there. And there were moments during that game where I was just looking up at the grandstand up on both the home and away sideline being like, I'm really fucking here. This is insane. And they packed 109,000 people into that beautiful, beautiful stadium. That is one of the great sport experiences in my life and I'm very very grateful I got to go this year against a good Auburn team and I I came into that game with the expectation that Penn State was about a touchdown better in terms of talent and it was nice to see Penn State come out aggressively use tempo the drives where Penn State was at its best during that game came when they were going no huddle when Auburn wasn't able to substitute and Penn State was able to attack the seams Auburn was sitting in a one-high look. Whether it was cover three or cover one, it didn't matter. The seams were open and the tight ends. Brenton Strange had a really nice game. Wide open down the seams when Penn State was going with tempo. Really good stuff out of them there. I liked the variety of looks where you have Clifford under center, the design rollouts, play action, pre-step motion, broke out the wildcat a couple times all the things i always talk about on the show that make your quarterback's life easier penn state did and it's no surprise sean clifford had one of the best games of his college career this weekend this past weekend and penn state has firmly entrenched itself in that conversation for the big 10 east they will have to beat ohio state and they have to go to kinnick stadium to play iowa which won't be easy they have to go to michigan no michigan goes to happy valley this year but they do have to go to columbus Not the easiest schedule in the world, but they are in the mix. And there is some, you know, turmoil. Alabama only beat Florida by two, and if Florida hadn't missed an extra point, wouldn't have had to go for two at the end of the game there. Really exciting weekend from a variety of games. The Oklahoma-Nebraska game was pretty entertaining. I did not get catch a ton of the Saturday day games. Did not catch pretty much anything from the Sunday NFL games aside from Sunday night football because I was traveling for the most part on Sunday and Saturday I was tailgating checked in on a couple of the games for various stretches walked around the RV lots got some peeks on TV screens watched a couple plays here and there but I I was there for the atmosphere and the atmosphere did not let me down I did not have much of a voice up until maybe today like this morning my voice was still kind of hoarse Monday afternoon uh have Had a pounding headache for like two and a half days from pure exhaustion, but I gotta say, Happy Valley didn't disappoint. Today's episode, college football heavy, lots and lots of big picture abstract discussions. One of my new Twitter friends, really good talk about the state of college football on a variety of subjects. Really fun episode, but before I get to today's episode, I do have to remind everyone to help support the show. 
Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. Wherever you get your podcasts, this podcast is available. Next, signal boost the show on social media. Wherever you find it, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, wherever you find the show, signal boost it so other people can find it. Last but not least, if you are an Apple Podcast user because Apple controls the universe, please, please, please leave a review. Go to the show's page. Scroll down to the bottom. There are going to be five clear purple stars. Hit the one furthest to the right. That's leaving a five-star review. Underneath that is a button with purple letters that says, Write a review. Leave a few words of encouragement. Matter of fact, any podcast you're subscribed to that you enjoy, please leave that content creator a review. The reviews help. Reviews are ways we can show potential employers or advertisers the kind of traction we have. The more reviews our shows have, the easier it is for us to make better content. With all that said, wow, that was a really long, that was like a five-minute introduction. I really was psyched up to talk about the whiteout. All right, I'll see you guys in one second. Really good college football talk. Enjoy these two drops. They were the guest request. Justin Fields steps into his throw. End zone. Oh, my goodness. Is that an interception? Brandon Joseph with his sixth interception of the season leads the nation now, and you will never see a better pick than that. Well, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State. Jalen wants Jackson, and he scores. And with that, I welcome on the person who was briefly locked out of their apartment in delayed recording of this podcast, a certified football guy, a writer for the Daily Northwestern. How are we doing, Gabriella? We're doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm finally free from the hallway that doesn't have air conditioning. It's great. I'm doing really well right now. See, I have had a very jagged start to my football season because I've been doing things on the weekend centered around football. So I haven't been doing my usual due diligence of watching, you know, 13 hours of college football and then nine hours of NFL football. So you're here to be a sounding board for some of my ideas to kind of give a big picture talk about the state of how college football and the NFL are interacting because briefly just... We understand the football psychosis we we both have, and it, it, it make, it'll make this conversation a lot easier. Exactly. Okay, so every time I have someone on for the first time, we got to start at the origins of the main character syndrome, this villain <laughs> syndrome that sports causes us all to have. So I got to start with the obvious. What are the earliest memories of sport, of watching sports? Um, As a very little kid, my dad grew up, in Ohio as a Michigan fan, like in Northwest Ohio, like very close to Ann Arbor. Um, So he, like his family members went to Michigan. He grew up rooting for Michigan. And so I, as a small child on Long Island, also grew up rooting for Michigan. Um, Long Island is not exactly a hotbed for college football. So I never went to any games, but at the time, at least, but I really grew up maize and blue I remember watching like Denard Robinson obviously was a very significant like college football figure of my childhood um that was really the moment that I felt like I was very aware of like everything that was going on and like that I was really like excited to watch but I wasn't like invested in it on the same level that I feel like I am now in which like I actually know a lot of things that are going on um it was more just like oh I'm hanging out with my dad like we're having a good time watching football and I was like that's super fun and obviously like Denard Robinson was a very like electric player fantastic runner like so fun to watch so it was just super fun for me um 
And then I think in like 2015, when Jim Harbaugh first got hired at Michigan, I was a freshman in high school. And my dad was finally like, okay, maybe they're going to be good again. Like, this is the time. So we started actually like going to the games and like he, we have season tickets now. So the first ever like Michigan game that I ever went to was Michigan actually playing Northwestern, which is a school that I go to now. Um, and I was like, wow, like this is such like a great like environment to go to a game. Like I had such a fun time with my family. Like we met up with a bunch of our other family members there. Um, and it was like a fun tailgate environment. And it was like a great game. And I was like, great. Like I'm super invested in this now. This is awesome. And then the very next week, I believe was like the Michigan state game. Oh yeah. And I think we all know what happened in that one. <laughs> and then I realized this is going to cause me a lot of pain and it still does. So, but that is really my earliest. I like really almost screamed. I did scream. And then I walked around my house really, really depressed after that game happened. Um, but yeah, now we're where we're at now. Um, I go to Northwestern. I cover football for our college paper, the Daily Northwestern. Um, and I watch a lot more college football now. I'm like, I marginally less invested in Michigan because I go to Northwestern now, but also like looking at it more through the journalist lens as opposed to like the fan lens of like the nostalgia of my childhood and like all of those family memories. I feel like it's a very different experience, um, especially since I never really got to go to any games because like last year was with COVID and freshman year I was like doing other stuff on the weekends so it just wasn't really the same um experience and also like Northwestern is not exactly the most fun place to watch a football game like <laughs> often full of opposing fans because like every Big Ten alum moves to Chicago and is like oh let's go watch our team like I remember we had like a sellout night game against Ohio State the entire stadium was red like all Ohio State fans it was crazy and we got blown out it was terrific for them they had a great time I'm sure but <laughs> It's really not the same as going to like a big football like school or like even just yeah. like a big football stadium with a lot of passion, but it's still like a fun team to cover and like a lot of fun stuff is going on and it's fun for us because we take it seriously as like the 10 people that cover Northwestern football for student media, but it's not that's like the, the same as the passionate experience at some other places. <laughs> but that's the thing about college football is on any given Saturday, I will spend 40 minutes of my day watching Purdue or watching Absolutely. Nebraska or watching Northwestern just because like I want to check in on them. You know, I'm yeah, flicking like, through the channels. Doing? Yeah, exactly. And all these different teams have their own little story and they all have their own little microcosm. Like Northwestern had a really good year last year. And now we know it's going to take two years for Pat Fitzgerald <laughs> to work his magic again, have the exactly. defense that's good enough to win the Big Ten West. And then in two or three years from now, Northwestern will be good enough to fight with the Iowas and Wisconsin's of the world to win that division. And that's part of what I love about college football so much is the constant turnover and constantly having to adapt to things as it changes. One last thing in this introductory segment before we move on to actually talking about football. So you would say football was your first love because I know you're into other sports as well. Yeah, I would say the college football was the first thing that I ever really got into. Um, mm -hmm. And it was like a lot because of the family connection of it. I think mm -hmm. I am also super into like baseball and hockey now primarily, but like those were mostly like me, like getting into them on my own, like later on or like mm -hmm. with a couple of my friends as opposed to like football, like from a very young age, like that was what we were watching. Like that was what we were passionate about. Um, and it was like the family experience as much as anything else. And like the connection of like, oh, we have this like legacy of having been here. And that was like very special. So it was definitely, college football was definitely my first love. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah. College football was later for me because I, I, being from the New York area, there is not a 
yeah. college present college football team. I mean, I remember being like nine years old and there being like a year and a half of like, oh, Rutgers, Rutgers, because they beat Louisville that one year. And then I, I went back and watched that entire game against Louisville on YouTube. And there was a segment during the broadcast where they were talking to people in Times Square and being like, can you name anybody on the Rutgers football team? No. Can you name the head coach of Rutgers? No. Do you know where Piscataway is? No. Just like, that was the thing I remember in my childhood, them trying to make Rutgers football a thing. And it, college football for me became a way to get ahead of people knowing things that were going to happen in the NFL going forward. Yeah. And now I'm kind of at the point where it's like, I almost prefer college football to the NFL because it is a 13 hour day where you wake up, you watch game day for three hours, then you watch the noon kickoffs and then you're up till two thirty, three AM watching pack 12 after dark. Exactly. Um, I grew up rooting for the jets. So that is just like, not, a good time like there's yeah. nothing enjoyable about that whatsoever so I just like really got into college football and I would say that I probably like do prefer it just because again what is enjoyable about watching the Jets I have never once had an enjoyable experience watching that team Tragic. I can't say that I, they, them beating the Patriots in Foxborough <laughs> was pretty enjoyable but other than that yeah I could definitely yeah understand. there's not that many positive Jets experiences yeah. so moving along here you uh, you said before you cover Northwestern f- football f- journalistically. What made you want to express your love of sport through journalism? Because people go into it for a variety of reasons. I mean, I couldn't do math and I was pretty good at writing. That was my reasoning. But for someone like you who obviously has this passion for sports in general, what made you want to do it professionally? Um, It was partially that also that I just really liked writing I knew I was good at it um it was something that I just like was interested in but I didn't like like creative writing really like Mm -hmm. that was never something that like appealed to me at all and then my dad actually was like you should totally like write for the Daily Northwestern like you should cover field hockey you played field hockey like that's so fun so then I was like okay sure like I'll do that and then I started off doing that and I was like wow like this is actually like it's very exciting to be able to like cover the narrative of the team. And I think covering like field hockey that first year that I did, it was like so fun because I was really the only person of any, on any publication that was really covering like a team, like, like that field hockey team specifically. And obviously because nobody really covers like the smaller sports and it was super fun because I got a lot of access. I got to talk to the coaches a lot. I got to talk to the players a lot. Like there was a lot going on. They had a really great season. There was like a really one of our freshmen like had a was big 10 freshman the year scored like 30 goals it was crazy um so that just was like very exciting to me it was I very much got into the story of it and I was like this is way more fun for me than it would have been like doing creative writing or really anything else that I was like pursuing really so I was like let me just stick with this and then here we are now it's just like I just enjoy it I like watching sports I like writing about them I love stories um and I think sports are a way to follow and write about a story without having to come up with a story yourself. <laughs> um, and that is very appealing for me because I think the stories are just as interesting and just as exciting to cover. Um, it's just so fun. And I never really got into like political reporting. Like I started as a journalism major and that just never really appealed to me at the time um, or like local reporting. Um, lots of people love that, no shade to anybody, but yeah. I just was more, having that passion for sports and loving those stories like it just made it way easier for me to be interested in sports and write about them and I had a really great like group of editors and stuff who were encouraging me at our student paper and 
here we are now doing this. It's just still really fun. Like, that's why I'm still doing it. <laughs> Sports are the purest form of the human condition. You see the entire range of emotion during the course of a game and getting to tell that story. And especially for people who aren't covered as much for a, te a smaller team, like covering basketball and soccer in college was like, it, it wasn't as, you know, it wasn't covering football, but it got me better as a journalist because I was just interacting with people so much more, getting a feel for yeah. the nuts and bolts, the day-to-day -day of covering a team in a way that you wouldn't be able to get for football because football is taken so seriously and protected a little bit more by the institution. So getting those smaller teams covered is a good thing because those teams deserve recognition too. And it's good for young journalists to kind of get a feel for who they are as a journalist and what kind of stuff they're good at. Yeah, definitely. Like covering football, like it's so much more regimented and like yeah. everything is very like planned planned out. They like give you specific people. You can ask specific questions. You're fighting a lot more for like attention yeah. and to be able to ask questions and write things. And you, I just don't have the same like one-on-one -on -one access that I used to have yeah. while I was covering like field hockey. And obviously like that's a smaller sport. So that's the case, but it was very useful as like somebody just learning and just starting out like to hone my skills in having all of that access and being able to build those relationships with people as opposed to just like doing the more regimented media with football which obviously football is a really fun sport to cover I love yeah. college football but it's definitely a very different experience um and I really did like I don't feel like I would be the journalist that I am right now if it hadn't been for having that experience with field hockey that first year and I don't even think I would still be doing it maybe if it hadn't been for that so I valued it a lot so you see yourself more on the journalism side of the wall as opposed to the sports content side of the wall where you might end up with an organization, a team, something like that, doing like team media as opposed to doing what you're doing now. You see yourself firmly on the journalism side of that wall? Honestly, I have no idea. Like I really haven't okay. done any like team media, anything. I feel like it's doing like I am doing like a marketing certificate at my college. Um, so I have like some experience doing that, but right now what I'm like excited by is like doing journalism and with writing um and so I feel like I'm going to pursue that um but if team media I feel like calls to me at a later time like maybe I would I would think about it I don't know yeah. I to some extent I feel like it must be kind of boring like to do like communications and like just pick people for press conferences and stuff like that and it's definitely not the same as like being able to write and like follow the stories and contact people and learn about all of these athletes and everything that they're doing um but at the same time like it definitely is still like being involved with sports on a different level yeah. and having like a closer you're sort of with the team and you're having that journey with them as opposed to like observing it from the outside so i don't know it could be fun but i am doing journalism right now i'm very happy with what i'm doing right now um i'm definitely not like looking to get into something else i feel like i'm very okay. satisfied doing journalism <laughs> That's good. That's good. All right. So now that we've kind of laid the foundation, we can talk about football. There we go. So the Thanks. first, the first, no problem. No problem. I got to get to know you a little bit, feel you exactly, out a little bit. Exactly. Understand. Yeah. It's easier to start the conversation that way than to just jump on into it. That way we got of an course. idea of where we're at. So natural. <laughs> that's a thing journalists hate talking about themselves. It's why we write about other people. It's why exactly. we do it's like, do. don't make me the story. Don't talk about me. Yeah. 
Exactly, exactly. So the first thing I have on our handy-dandy outline here is the thing I mentioned about why I got into college football initially is viewing college football specifically through an NFL lens. Mm -hmm. And why I go back and forth on why this is a bad thing versus a good thing. And right now I'm kind of on the side of it's a bad thing because right now the landscape is kind of unsettled this season in specific. And mm -hmm. all I'm seeing coverage about is how's Spencer Rattler doing? How's Matt Corral doing? How's Sam Howell doing? Like, for the first time in a while, it kind of seems like someone other than Clemson or Alabama is going to win the national title. And we're talking about Spencer Rattler not looking great against Nebraska or Matt Corral lighting up Tulsa. Like, can we talk about the teams here? Like, I know the NFL is what makes the world go round because they have the big checkbook, but don't we care like that someone other than o o Ohio State, Alabama or Clemson could actually win the national title this year? Yeah, I'm with you. I like as somebody who's not super into like the prospects and like draft coverage. Um, I generally just figure anybody the Jets draft the Jets draft is going to end up being bad. Um, so I try not to get too invested in anybody. But I think that there is so much like good college talent that just like mm -hmm. can only really have success in college, like because of the difference in the game. And yeah. I feel like a lot of times the best college players are not like the best NFL players or the best NFL prospects. I feel like it's even worse in college basketball, which is where I really yeah. hate like prospect talk. Um, but I don't know. I just feel like we should be appreciating like the chaos of college football. Like I feel like a lot of people who are comparing the NFL is like, well, the NFL is a better product. It's better football. I'm like, I don't watch college football because I'm looking for like better football. Like it's for the like chaos of it and yeah. I think college football has been very lacking on chaos these past couple seasons in that oh yeah it's Ohio State it's Alabama it's Clemson it's Georgia it's Notre Dame um and I feel like we should be spotlighting like more of the like random smaller stories and people that are just like doing playing well in college when we're watching them as opposed to like well why aren't they playing well when they should be a good NFL player it's like I I, I don't care about that. Like, that's not my focus, I feel like. And I think that it shouldn't really be the focus. Like, I think we're losing the forest for the trees a little bit when we focus too much on like prospects and like, how are they going to perform at the next level? When it's like, why don't we focus on what they're doing at this level and the who the players are that are playing well at this level? I feel like a lot of times like mediocre quarterbacks, maybe mediocre is the wrong word, but like quarterbacks that aren't necessarily playing for like the best teams or having the best seasons are like hyped up as the top prospects because they have like the NFL tools. But yeah. it's like, I don't want to see a guy play kind of poorly because he has NFL tools, you know, like in college. Like, I don't want to talk about how he's doing. I feel like the Sam Darnold draft year was like the big draft year where that was a thing. But- Oh yeah, because that was the job. That was the Josh was the Allen Josh year. Where yeah. 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 It was like, okay, like maybe he does have NFL tools, but like, it's just not that relevant right now. If he's not like playing that well or really doing much of anything. And then you have like guys like Lamar where they're like, he's going to be a running back. And you watch him in college. You're like, how in the hell is this guy a running back? Like that just can't be the case. And lo and behold, it's not. So it just feels like it's when we're putting people into like NFL boxes, it feels like you're dismissing their talent. And then sometimes they do go on to have great success at the NFL level. And everyone's like, well, if you had just watched him in college and actually paid attention to what he was doing, like you would have known that, but I don't know. The Lamar Jackson example is just so egregious and horrible. Like, oh, 
I feel like it takes away from very real production. Like one of the things that I love about college football so much is all of the majorly important schools that are pretty good are in towns where there is nothing else. There are people who spend their entire lives revolved around Alabama football, Clemson football, Ohio State football, Michigan football, Penn State football, because that's all they have that's accessible to them. The only thing that's drivable for them to experience their lives around. And just, you know, Mm -hmm. dismissing Denard Robinson, who you mentioned in the first segment as, well, he's going to have to play running back if he wants to make it in the NFL. We're taking away from the fact, like, you know, he was the most electrifying player in college football for two and a half seasons because he's not going to be able to play at the next level that kind of dismisses what you know a hundred plus thousand people sat at the big house for six games a year cared so much about i i just don't like putting people into boxes based on what they're going to do because it takes away from the story journalistically and the fun mm-hmm. of it college football is supposed to be fun that's part of it that we lose when we focus too much on how they'll translate to the nfl the chaos is what makes college football great Absolutely. Yeah. Like it definitely is like, oh, well, is Norm Robinson going to be an NFL player? Like who cares? Like focus on what he's doing now. Like watch what they're doing in college. Like it definitely very much in my opinion is like not really relevant in the coverage of college football, like with NFL coverage, like absolutely like go ham, like talk about prospects, talk about how you think different players could like adapt to the NFL. But like when we're talking about college football specifically and like with college football media, it just doesn't, it's never been really relevant to me. Like if players that I support, like can make it in, at the NFL level, like if they're playing well in college and like doing great things, I'm like, wow, like, yay. Like you're doing so well. Yeah. Congrats. Like I'm rooting for you. You know, I just, I don't think it's that like relevant in the context of, I don't know. I just, I agree with you. It definitely dismisses people's talent and, a lot of times, like you were saying, like college football is the main game in town. People are passionate about it. This is what they're into. Like let people like their favorite players, even if they're not going to yeah. be NFL players, you know? And I feel like even people that don't project as being good NFL players end up being NFL players. Like my dad famously thought that Tom Brady was never going to do anything. Like he thought he was going to be terrible in the NFL. And like, of course, dead wrong. But like, who, who knows? Like, so much of being successful in the NFL, I also feel like it's like getting drafted into the right place. Yes, and like, as a Jets 100%. fan, I know that too well. So like, if you're not like drafted into the right place, you could have been like a great NFL player, but yeah. you like weren't given the opportunity for that to happen. So I don't know. I just feel bad. I just like and watching good of- players in college football and now they can get paid. So yeah, that's I'm one bad. of the things I wanted to touch on here about just One of the things I love about college football is you just get to have guys. You get to say, all right, I want to watch this team to see this guy play every week. Even though, like, I'm watching Coastal Carolina just to see Grayson McCall play quarterback in that spread option offense because that shit is fun as hell. And that's not like anything else you're seeing anywhere. I enjoy those little quirks. I miss when Mike Leach was at Washington State at, you know, playing at one in the morning against Oregon State, watching them run five play, five wide every single play and throwing for 600 yards a game with Gardner Minshew. Like, those little things that, you know, the NFL product is getting more and more homogenous every single year where pretty much everybody is running three or four offenses all derived off of three or four base offenses. The college game isn't like that, where you still have, you know, teams that are just going to run the triple option because they can have the Bring athletes the to do that. Op- Option. <laughs> yeah. Georgia gave, Tech? Georgia gave Clemson a fit last weekend. They Are they still doing Clemson it? A, 
I yeah, thought when not as much, not as aggressively, but they still have that base. Army has a quarterback who can pass this year, which is weird, and That's they're a sad. little bit further. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, not for I him, but sad for us that we don't get to watch yes. the triple option. Kansas should do it. That's my hot take. That- <laughs> that's the thing i love about college football you can just say all right we're just going to get athletes and we're going to run the triple option and we're going to keep every game close and if we luck into some turnovers we can win the game you can't do that at the nfl level because everybody's a good athlete at the nfl level. Exactly. that's what, one of yeah. the things i like about college football that's the romanticism of college football is you can get by doing weird shit i don't know if you could get by running what mike leach does in the NFL, you probably couldn't. I don't know if you could get by running what Auburn did last weekend against Penn State, where they just ran the ball 50 times because they were getting six yards a clip. I don't know. That's why I love college. One of the things I love about college football so much, every game is so different, especially in this early part of the year where you have the non-conference games. And now that schools are beefing up their non-conference schedule, we're getting non-traditional matchups and we're getting matchups where you're getting serious conflict and this team is very fast and very small versus this team is very big and kind of slow i like those kind of i want to see these it's more of i don't want to say experimental because that kind of is dismissing it but at the same time it is kind of experimental where can you see how this vision for a team contrasts with this vision and how they interact with each other i think that's one of the things i love so much about college football is there's so much more room for creativity yeah definitely i'm like very glad that they are i think probably expanding the college football playoff because i do think that now that they're expanding it and there's a little bit more room for error where like you can drop a game and still like make it to the playoff i think that's going to lead to like much more exciting non-conference matchups i think it was getting too much to the point where it was like ohio state would schedule like akron bowling green and like an fcs school every year or something and as fun as it is to watch like those Ohio State receivers just like run crazy over like a terrible Bowling Green team. I think it's more exciting to see like different matchups and have teams from different conferences playing each other. Um, the Alliance, we'll see what happens if that manifests itself in any real way. Um, we get some fun ACC Big Ten matchups. Um, but totally. I just, it's going to be a much more fun product when more teams are willing to take bigger risks and play different teams and step out of their comfort zone, go on the road. I hate neutral site games too. Yes. I hate those. Agreed. Those are the worst. Play them at the, play them at a home stadium. I think like Wisconsin and Notre Dame are playing at Soldier Field this weekend. Yes. Don't, don't do that. Play at Camp Randall. Yeah. The environment is the best part. Like, yes. That, that's one of the non-conference games. Yeah. I mean, we're, there are some good ones on the docket going forward. Like, Texas goes to has a home-and-home home with Alabama. Georgia has a home-and-home home with Ohio State. There are good ones already kind of on the horizon. But the Alliance will open up more opportunities. The SEC expanding will open up more opportunities. And I'm curious to see how the balance of power will eventually shake out. And we'll get there. But before we get to that part of the conversation, I do want to touch briefly on the interaction and the relationship between college and the NFL where one of the things I've really noticed over the last few years, and you mentioned it before when you were talking about where the landing spot matters so much, one of the things we're seeing a lot now in the NFL is teams just taking things from where that quarterback went to college to make them more comfortable right away. And I thought about this when I was watching Sunday Night Football because the Chiefs do it so much. The the tight end screen and the tight end leak, that is straight out of the Texas Tech playbook. 
let me Andy Reid was not running tight end leaks to Brent Selleck 15 years ago with Donovan McNabb. They brought Patrick Mahomes in and they said, I like to, he said, I'm good at doing this. Let's do this. And Andy Reid said, okay, let's do this because we can do this. That's one of the things I've really enjoyed in recent years is teams trying to do things to make their college quarterback more comfortable. And it's made the NFL game a little bit more resembling what college is, where we see the Ravens running a read option offense with Lamar full time and it works. And I think that's one of the things, at least one of the reasons we're seeing fewer quarterback busts is teams are doing everything in their power to make their quarterbacks' lives easier. And one way they're doing that is just incorporating concepts from their college experience. Yeah, definitely. I think especially with like Lamar, who's more of a running quarterback, like you really need like a coaching staff that like can commit to like running his offense and having like trying to fit the scheme to like the personnel that you have, I feel like is so important. And I think yeah. that with like Josh Allen and the bills, like Lamar and the Ravens, like I think they've done a really good job of like both acquiring the personnel to make that better. Like the bills getting Stefan Diggs, obviously it was yeah. like a huge addition for them and like to help Josh Allen, like air it out a little bit more and use his big arm. Um, I think it's super, super important. And I think if you're trying to be like restrictive with your quarterback and you're like, no, they're going to run what I want. It's like, well, no, like that's not really useful for anybody because if you're trying to fit them into what you think they are as, and what you want them to be, as opposed to like what they're actually good at and what they're actually doing, you're not going to be successful. Like clearly Lamar showed an ability to run and pass the football effectively. And John Harbaugh has like committed to him and fit the system to his needs. And I think the ability to adjust from like Joe Flacco, who obviously was just like pure, like pocket passer, did not run the ball to like the completely different offense with Lamar, I think is very admirable and like shows to his real like commitment. Obviously that clip went viral of him being like, you want to go for this, but yeah. it's clear like all of these coaches are really building around the quarterback. And I don't know. I love seeing that they're doing what they were doing in college and what they were doing well. Um, like that's the most exciting part of their game and like of what they're doing and they were really able to build off all of their tools that they had in college and become successful NFL players in part because of all of those skills that they built playing college football as opposed to just like oh this guy's a good pocket passer I love a good pocket passer but (laughs) the podcast listeners can't hear see this right now but I am a drunk joker makeup on my face because my team is coached by Jason Garrett and we don't let our quarterback do what he's good at so that that's where my life is at because my organization still thinks it's 1993 so in this context of putting people in a position to succeed one of the things that really jumped out to me, I know they played nobody until they played Penn State this past weekend, but Auburn so far has done a really good job of just making Bo Nix not do too much. In uh, the previous two years of Bo at Auburn, he was doing too much. He was throwing off a one foot, terrible fundamentals, throwing across his body, trying to beat Patrick Mahomes without the athletic ability. And through three weeks, including the game against Penn State, where he played pretty well, aside from a few ducks, they've put him in a position where he doesn't have to do everything for them to win the game. And it's just those little things, those little adjustments where you get to see a guy grow a little bit it's something i wish texas would have done with sam ellinger over the last few years as opposed to being like yeah you're very athletic let's build our offense around you trucking linebackers that are smaller than you let's refine your ability as a passer let's put you in a position where uh, we're going to control we know you can't throw deep that accurately we want to get some tight ends in here we want to get some fullbacks in here so we can control the middle of the field because we're going to be bigger and faster than most people most weeks that's the kind of thing i want to see more and one last thing on this topic 
I just want to see coaches be more aggressive in general, regardless of the level. I know this is a thing in college more so than the NFL, but I know Ryan Day is very aggressive with it, and it's one of the reasons Ohio State's successful aside from the talent. Just there are certain coaches at every level who get it, and we see it especially at the college level. The coaches that get it in terms of game management and being aggressive are the coaches of the best teams. It's Ryan Day at Ohio State. It's Nick Saban at Alabama. It's Dabo at, at Clemson, where the teams that are aggressive are more often than not, because they have more talent, going to find a way to win those close games in a way that Georgia, who's been historically conservative, hasn't. Oregon, who's been kind of conservative at times, hasn't. Oklahoma, who is the opposite of conservative, but run into the talent problem when they get into those big games. It's one of the things that as we've gotten cl into this really clear top five teams and then everybody else era, those five teams might have the best talent but they also have the best coaches. Yeah, I also think that like what you were saying with Oklahoma, like the difference in game management is like what separates like the top teams from the top teams, like Alabama yeah. from everybody else pretty much. Like obviously the talent is stellar across the board on Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, whatever, but really having that ability to manage games. Like sometimes I'm watching, like I think, Minnesota, Ohio State, PJ Fleck, what was he doing? The entire, like, at the end of the first half, wouldn't call a timeout, was just so, I, like, what are you going to do with these timeouts? Just completely waste them? Like, why are you not using them on your two-minute drill? Like, it really doesn't make any sense. I, I just, I don't get it. It feels like clock management and game management is something that should come relatively easy to some of these coaches, especially at these, like, top programs when you do have yeah. good talent, but a lot of them struggle a lot and it just it doesn't make a lot of sense and it's like when you're already operating at that level of talent disadvantage as compared to like Ohio State or Alabama like it's so hard to beat those teams just because like they have pretty much all five stars in their lineup and all of these top 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 recruits and these other schools have good recruits but it's just not on the yeah. same level and it's like if you can't like go toe-to-toe -to -toe, like coaching against these guys and really manage the game accurately and know what you're doing and take advantage of every second that you have then you're like you're doing your team a disservice because they're yeah. never going to be able to compete if you are operating low, at a lower level than like ryan day and they also just don't have the talent to keep up with a lot of these other players like it definitely is what separates like the top coaches and the top staffs and i think it's become such a thing because you can't really compete with that top talent and then if you get into the situation where you are competing with them and you're so close and then like you fumble the game away because like you're not thinking properly with what you're doing it's just it's sad to see on that note Bomani Jones tweeted it during week one of the Penn State Wisconsin game he said no team's fan base wants their coach fired in more games their team end up winning, ends up winning than James Franklin at Penn State. And I got to take my hat off to Jimmy Franklin. He actually called a good game on Saturday. And because he was aggressive, they actually beat a good team for the first time in like three years. Since, since the Mark Allen blocked field goal against Ohio State, that was probably the best game Penn State has played in that time. Maybe their win on the road at Iowa, what was that, like 17 or 18, maybe that game. But... They came out and they said, we got to be aggressive. We got to go for it on fourth down. Some of the stuff they did is stupid. I, I hate the fake punt. I hate the fake punt. It is the dumbest play in the playbook. Let your quarterback throw the ball. Don't let the up back who's a fullback who touches the ball once a week run your fourth and one play. Let your quarterback run the play. 
don't do stupid just the little things like yeah, you said I just, before the fake punt doesn't make any sense to me as a play yeah. like if you're gonna run a pass play anyway like wouldn't you rather have your first team <laughs> offense out there? Like, I get that you would then be facing the first team defense, but like, do you really want like your fourth string quarterback? Who's like your holder, like throwing the ball to like another special teams, like probably fourth string, fourth string receiver. Like it just, it doesn't make any sense. Like logically yeah. you want your best guys out there in the big moments to convert the crucial fourth downs. You know, I get it. If you're mostly just like fucking around and you're up, like yeah. whatever, but like if it's a an actually crucial moment, like don't throw the fake punt out there. Like just run a play. <laughs> yeah. These are the things that drive me nuts. It's part of the reason I started this podcast. It's just, you are a professional football coach. My football experience stopped at high school and is limited to Madden and NCAA 14. How can I figure this out? And you can't, this is your entire job is to make this good decisions and you cannot make good decisions. How is that possible? You are a it professional coach. Sense. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Too many coaches like just ride too hard on the talent that they have. And yeah. are like, well, I recruited well, so I have good players. That means I have a good team. And it's like, well, you have to put your players in the best position to succeed. And if you're calling dumb plays on fourth and three, I just don't know what to tell you. You're not putting them in a position to be successful. Like, do your job. Your job does it, not it, end it, when they walk onto campus. It's that simple. It is that simple. So transitioning along here to the next thing I have in this conversation is talking about just the state of college football, the way it's played now, where basically we're at a point where if you're not scoring 40 points a week, you probably aren't going to be able to win most games. And just the state of the game and the really defining moment for me was last year. I forget what week it, uh, before a game the media availability was, was Nick Saban saying, yeah, we, you can't win anymore just trying to play defense. You're never going to be able to play enough defense to stop the state of offenses in today's game. I mean, look what Lane did his two years at Alabama. Look what Sark did last year at Alabama. Look what Joe Brady did at LSU. You could put the 2002 Miami Hurricanes in college football over the last few years, and they would be hard-pressed to stop some of the offenses we've seen over the last few years from scoring 30 points a game. And when the consensus best coach of the modern era and probably in the history of, the, of college football acknowledges you can't win by playing defense in field position, why are there still teams trying to win by playing defense in field position? Yeah, I don't know. Coming from <laughs> watching consistently a team that plays defense, no offense with Northwestern, like, and like, look, like the big 10 West, I feel like is maybe the one division where you probably can win with defense yes, as opposed to offense because nobody plays any offense, but like, that's the one division in college football where you can do that. Like nowhere else is that really a possibility because like the only really good team, like the only really consistently good team is like Wisconsin and Wisconsin is not necessarily known for airing it out and doing a yeah. massive offense. Like I, this is the one division where you can do this. And they like put up a good fight against Ohio state in the championship game. But even then, like their offense was just not scoring any points. Like it was not good enough for Northwestern to beat them because they had a game manager quarterback in Peyton Ramsey, just throwing his little six yard throws, trying to get chunk plays and not really doing much else. Like that was pretty much all that was going on. And eventually like your defense against these like crazy skilled offenses that can score all of these points like they're going to score they're going to score points like that's what's yeah. going to happen um i just 
I get it. Like obviously having a good defense is important. Like Oklahoma's not going to win anything because they can't play defense, but they can compete with everybody and beat everybody because they play such good offense. Like they're just yeah. airing it out constantly. And they uh, usually, I don't, I'm the jury's still out on Spencer rather, <laughs> but generally have a very good quarterback that they trust in the system that can do everything that they're asking. And I feel like having a good defense is a plus, but I, it's not like necessary. And I don't think that you can really, like you were saying, you can't like win in college football today just with a good defense. You can't compete with those top, top teams if you just have a good defense and your offense is so-so because they have a fantastic offense and a fantastic defense. So they can stop. If yeah. you have a mediocre offense, they can stop anything that you're doing. But like, if you have a good defense, you can hold them at bay, but you can't outscore them. That's been the problem for a couple of these teams that have been trying to break through over the last few years. Oklahoma, you mentioned, Oregon, Georgia. These teams that have just as much talent as the Clemsons, Ohio State's, LSU's of the world, but just haven't been able to score enough points in these big games against the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the LSU's of the world, where if you don't score a touchdown every single time you get the ball against one of those teams, you're screwed. Like, last year's Ohio State team was pretty damn good, and... As soon as they had to punt in that national title game against Alabama, you knew it was over. You knew there was no yep. chance they were going to be able to stop Alabama twice to be able to make up that score differential. That's the kind of state we're in right now where a team like Alabama is just going to line up three wide receivers that are going to be three of the 20 best prospects in football. And they're going to run past you. They're going to run underneath you. They're going to run around you. And even if it is Bill O'Brien calling the offense, Alabama will be all right. Alabama's going to be all right. They'll figure it out. I, I know Bryce Young's got all the buzz right now. I know every year we rush to, you know, put the Heisman front runner in big, bold letters. And being the Alabama quarterback now is kind of, it's like what being the Alabama running back used to be, where it was just Henry and Ingram and all those other running backs who came through there. Now, if Alabama says we're in a spread era, if you're not in, you're not following suit. I mean, the perfect example was Ole Miss last year and what Ole Miss is this year. They cannot play a lick of defense. But aside from Florida last year, Ole Miss gave Alabama the best game of anyone last year because they can score 50 points if they need to. Yeah, absolutely. Like the worst Alabama team in like recent memory was like 2019. And their receivers were Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith. Like how is that even like, it's just not fair. Like they have such strong talent. Like, at the wide receiver position and obviously like their quarterbacks have notoriously like been not so good but then with like Tagovailoa and Mac Jones Bryce, Bryce Young now like they're just really really good they score tons yeah. and tons of points and like I don't see it with Clemson this year because I just don't think they can do that like having watched several Clemson games like they still have a good defense I don't know if they can score points. I don't know if Georgia can either. Georgia never seems to yeah. be able to. They should never have let Justin Fields transfer and chosen Jake Fromm over him. But that's what's done that's is one done. Of the great, that's one of the biggest sliding doors moments in college football history over the last few years. That one, Burrow at Ohio State, there's a handful of them. There's a handful of one where you wonder, well, if, a, if Joe Burrow is the starter instead of Justin Fields, does he just explode at Ohio State? And Fields at Georgia is probably – Probably the biggest one because realistically, Georgia probably should have won a national title at some point in the last five years, and they just haven't because they can't score enough. They just cannot they can't score, score points. 
I don't know how I feel about Joe Burrow. I feel like I'm lower on him than a lot of other people. I feel like Joe Brady deserves a lot more of the credit for that offense than he does. I feel like Cincinnati hasn't put him in a very good position to be successful, but I don't know. Like, I just, I was never that high on him. So I feel like with Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields, like Ohio State was still scoring like tons of points. Like, especially that one year that they had Haskins, it was ridiculous. Like, they absolutely insane. Like, passing wise, like, I think that was really a crazy, crazy season. And obviously, Dwayne Haskins has had his problems in the NFL, but that, that, that was the clearest example in the Big Ten of like an air raid offense of like yeah. anything that I've seen in like a long, long time. Like the Big Ten is notorious for not passing the ball and yeah. for just grinding it out day after day. And we see a lot of that in the Big Ten West and in the Big Ten East as well. I feel like the teams have gotten better at scoring, yes. but that was like the real, I feel like, turn in it. Like that one season with Dwayne Haskins and Ryan Day, it was like crazy. Well, that's part of the reason Ohio State's been able to assert themselves in that top tier with the Clemsons, the Georgia, the Alabama teams where they recruit in the top 10, but not in the top five, but they have such a good offense that they'll be able to play with anybody. One of the things in this subject matter I did want to touch on was, do you miss college football from when we were kids where it was, you know, running back, fullback, eye formation, just three yards in a cloud of dust, like the Michigan of your childhood? Or do you think that, you know, points are, are fun? What, what side of the debate do you fall on? Because I know there are football snobs I am friends with who are like, I'd rather watch good defense than lots of points. Um, I really, I don't miss it that much, to be honest. Okay. I, I like, and I hate to say this, but I actually really like what the Michigan offense is doing right now in which they're still yeah. running the ball, but they're running the ball with like a lot of effective, like longer runs and yeah. a couple of pass plays when they're necessary, but like they're scoring points on the ground, but they're scoring the points with like electric running and like really just barreling through guys, as opposed to like, we're going to get three yards every play and just keep inching our way down the field. Like watching Northwestern during a bad season is like brutal. Like they're just not, and like generally with Hankwitz, they had good defenses and if the offenses yeah. um, now the offense and the defense are both bad. Um, so that's, that's fun, but it's just like brutal to watch when they're not scoring any points and it's just like, Oh, they have a good defense, but like nothing happens after that. Like, yeah. Oh, you force a turnover and then it's three and out, you know? I like it's fun watching it played well watching the like grotted out good defense style played well is very exciting to me but yes I think a lot of times when it's like we have a good defense it's like you don't really have that good of a defense you just can't score a lot of points so <laughs> like your defense is better than your offense but like relatively <laughs> yes that's a good way to so, put it relatively I feel like the good offensive teams generally have good defenses as well, like the top, top teams. So it's still very fun to watch them and to watch them go into like shootouts, dog games. Um, I think there's room for everything, but I I like seeing points. (laughs) Part of this conversation is also, do you think we can ever put the tube back in the toothpaste, the toothpaste back in the tube? Or do you think this is just like the most efficient way we can play football? So everybody goes in this one direction, or do you think we will see the, occasional outliers the teams like the iowas of the world that are going to try and win every game 21 17 or are we going to stay where we are which is fine where everybody kind of does their own thing but when the two interact one is clearly better than the other 
don't think the Big Ten West will ever change. <laughs> this I know for a fact. It's never going to change. Um, everybody else, we'll see. But Iowa, Wisconsin, they're just going to keep doing what they're doing. Keep grinding it out. One of them will win the division every year, make it to the championship game, and maybe they'll win, but probably not. Other than that, I... I'm trying I feel to like think. college football always changes. Like there are always new trends. Yeah. Like I don't think anybody would have ever thought that like this like high high offense style would have been so popular like ten years ago, um, when it was like all about. I feel like there was a lot of like electric running and with yeah. Cam Newton and Denard Robinson and everything. Like I think that was sort of the style, and I thought that was fun. Still, I like what they're doing now. I think it'll change again down the line. Yeah. Um, but while they're doing this, I'll enjoy it. Hopefully the next style is just as fun for us as viewers. <laughs> but I yeah, feel like college is always cool. changing. So you gotta find something. You gotta find your niche. People are always gonna keep refining what we have. You get weirder things. I mean, you think about Alabama like six years ago with like running the ball 40 times a game, 15 pass attempts, like the Greg McElroy, Alabama, the AJ McCarron, Alabama. We're not that far removed from that. And to see where they are now is crazy. Yeah, like it, even 10 years ago, like the way the game was played was totally different. And the things that we perceived yeah. as being good are totally different. And the top teams can like effortlessly adapt to whatever the new thing yeah. is. Um, so it ends up like the teams don't change that are good, but it's yes. definitely always interesting to see like what's happening and what the new trends are. Like who, I don't think anybody would have ever thought that like the Mike Leach air raid would be like the foundation for what everybody is doing now, basically. Like, yeah. So. I think it all depends on who does it the best, but the teams never change, but I think the offenses will. That's a good way to look at it. So speaking of the teams never change, the next part on the outline is the, the big five and everybody else. And I'm defining the big five as Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and then Georgia or Oregon, depending on whatever kind of mood you're in, is the fifth team. Notre Dame fans punch in the air right now. But like... <laughs> I never feel like Notre Dame is going to win one of those games. I feel like Oklahoma or Georgia could win a semifinal. I don't think Notre Dame is ever going to have. Yeah. I, I don't I feel like they're you. ever going to score enough points. Like last year, that team, it wasn't bad. It was a pretty good for a Notre Dame team. But like Ian Book wasn't really putting the fear of God in me if I'm Alabama or Ohio State or any of these teams where, yeah, they're going to run two receivers down the field. They'll have two tight ends on the field and a running back. And if we stop the two wide receivers from getting open, they can pick up four yards at a time if they want running the ball. But that's fine with us. I, there was never a moment of doubt in that semifinal game last year between them and Alabama. Just the way Notre Dame plays is never going to be good enough to compete with them, especially where they're not as talented and they're not running an offense to be an equalizer. So I think what you just said before about the offenses will be the equalizer and that it's the same teams over and over. It's the same teams because, you know, they run the same, good off the most efficient version of an offense. For sure. I think the Notre Dame is just, they use too many tight ends, yes. so many tight ends, and they never seem to have a good enough quarterback. I don't yes. know what the deal is because you would think it would be very easy to recruit a, a good quarterback to go to Notre Dame because it's like such a prestigious program, like has all of the resources in the world, like a massive fan base. Like in Chicago, everybody roots for Notre Dame. Everybody loves Notre Dame. Like you would think that they would be able to like, maybe it's Brian Kelly and the lack of an efficient offense that doesn't put like good quarterbacks in a position to 
be successful and maybe Ian Book would have I don't know been Joe Burrow if he had gone to another school but I don't know I just they don't have a good enough quarterback they don't have good enough receivers like I don't know they they put good offensive line they put good offensive linemen in the NFL. They put a good, a few good defensive players into the NFL. It's the stuff you need to win, though. That's the problem. They haven't put a good wide receiver in the NFL, I think, since Golden Tate. Yeah. I'm trying to think tight end wise. I'm trying to think tight end. I mean, all of the tight ends go to Iowa. That's Chase, yeah. Yes. Yes. They're brother. I mean, Claypool. Claypool was a tight end in college. He he was a tight end in college. He's a wide receiver in the NFL. He's pretty good. Of course he was a tight end at Notre Dame. (laughs) Yes. I mean, so is Jeff Smarza. though. That's how many guys Notre Dame has had a tight end. They've had a tight end go on to be successful in Major League Baseball, how many tight ends they put into the to put into professional sports. So moving down, it, it can we feasibly is there anybody we think that can feasibly punch into that top five? who's on the outside of that five looking in. So whether you want to put Georgia or Oregon five, whichever one you don't, is there anybody on the outside that you feel like with some minor institutional changes could get up there? I know I I hate being that guy because I was just there. I don't think Penn State can do it because they just don't recruit well enough. I don't well think enough. Penn State can either. I, I don't think Aaron, they like, can. A lot of people were talking about whether Franklin's going to go to USC. I personally feel like he should go to USC. Um, okay, Why? Why? I feel like he should go to USC because I hear a lot of hubbub about Penn State's number one recruiting class that's definitely going to be like 12th by the time the yes. final rankings have come out like Alabama doesn't recruit their guys until like signing day like in like next fall this fall so yes. I don't know but I think that James Franklin has the right personality for USC he's shown he's able to be consistently successful even with like the inferior recruiting and USC is I feel like such an easy place to bring people to such an easy yeah. place to recruit talent for. There's so much talent in California. USC is such a big brand. Um, I feel like it would be fun to live in LA. I, I yeah. would love to live there, but I just I feel like he has the paid. right personality for it. He does the right, yeah. he does the right stuff. Um, and it is obviously without Ohio State as an obstacle, it's a much easier program to be successful in. Successful. And there's a lot of top, yeah. top talent in California that is going like to the SEC or to the Big Ten or somewhere else because- there isn't a good program in the Pac-12 right now. And like Oregon is getting there. UCLA is getting there. I like what Chip Kelly's doing at UCLA a lot, but I feel like USC can be that big program. And if they had a coach like James Franklin, who's shown that he can recruit like decently well in a place with much less like talent to choose from and much more regional competition, like USC can have top five recruiting classes every year just because they have so much access to California. So yeah. I feel like he should go there, but I agree. I don't think that Penn state can ever really get over the hump. I think their best shot was 2016 and then they got blown out by Michigan that year, even though they won the championship. So yeah. they were never going to make the playoff. Like I, I saw a lot of like, they should make the playoff that year. And like, I got it. Like they won the big 10 and it does kind of speak to the fact that it's completely irrelevant, like who is successful and who's not um, in the regular season and in the championship, because like they're yeah. going to pick the teams that they want to pick, but they did get blown out by Michigan that season and they lost to Pitt as well I believe so it was like did they really deserve it and then they didn't win the Rose Bowl so it's like yeah and it just felt like a he kind of fell flat after and his entire like reputation as a coach is really on that one 2016 championship yeah I'm trying to think who else because I don't think like you said before I don't think Iowa or Wisconsin's ever gonna be able to score enough to be there I mean 
it almost has to be like if someone can actually be consistent at LSU. I think that's really the only team because I think seen... it can be Oregon. I think or, okay. with Joe Moorhead, I think it can be Oregon because Joe Moorhead can score points. If he okay. stays there, I think that they can do it. Um, I don't know how I feel about like their quarterback, but I think if they got like better talent for that position, Joe Moorhead can run a successful offense and can put points yeah. on the board. Um, so if they can keep him there and like upgrade the talent around them, I feel like it could be Oregon. They can score enough points. And their defense is really good. Mario Cristobal yeah. is a great defensive coach. That would be my pick. I, Otherwise, I don't know. Maybe Florida? I feel yeah, like Florida if, is always, like, almost there. And they can just never, like, they always end up with, like, three or four losses. And they can never, like, get over the hump. But it seems like they have, like, the talent. They score enough points. They're always almost beating the top teams. But they just play too many of them in any given year to, like, really yeah. be. If they could close out games, it would be them. They should have beaten Alabama in the SEC title game last year, and they just they it just it didn't go right for them. They were never on their A game. Pitts was playing hurt. I think Trask was playing a little bit banged up. That that was a winnable game. The loss to LSU was pretty rough. They had another in conference loss. Yeah, the th- the shoe throwing game. Poor guy. That was tough. I feel bad for him, honestly. <laughs> That's tough. That's tough. I mean, it's tough. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it can be anyone from the Big Twelve. I, I don't see anybody Texas else from the Big Twelve. Texas and Oklahoma like are going Texas to the SEC. Should be Texas be should good. be good. Texas sh- Texas recruits That's in the top ten, but they just every year they, never, and they just never are good. Like I really they don't haven't know what had it is. A- they don't have a good quarterback. I think that's the biggest thing is, I mean, we see that you got to have the quarterback. And since Colt McCoy, they've just had a bunch of guys. They've had no one yeah. great. They've had nobody who inspired confidence in me. And like Colt McCoy was pretty good, but he wasn't that good. I mean, he was always second or third in the Heisman behind Bradford and Tebow and all the other guys who came through during that time. A&M, maybe? I mean, Jimbo can recruit pretty well. I mean, the West is a bloodbath. You gotta win. Yeah, You're gonna it's just have one you gotta or two be losses. Like everybody, in order to like be yeah. one of those top teams, and they have to play Alabama every year. Like yes, and LSU, like they could and Auburn, and LSU yeah. and Auburn. Like it's just such a tough schedule to play. Yeah. Like I think they're a very good team, but I think they they gotta beat. They should have been in the playoff last year, honestly, in my opinion. Okay, I I would have taken them or Cincinnati. I would have taken either of those teams over yeah. Notre Dame. Whether Cincinnati actually deserved it, I don't know. But if I have to watch a team get blown out in the playoff, I would rather it have been Cincinnati. That's fair. <laughs> That's very fair. Um, in this conversation about exp- – so you think expanding the playoff will help this problem. Uh, it will allow more teams to be able – to be not competitive because, you know, it's still going to be the same five, six teams who are going to be the one through six seeds in a 12-team or an 18-team playoff. But do you think this will help our parity problem that everybody complains about in college football but doesn't actually realize there's no real way to change it? Because it's there's, always going to be yeah. five or six teams that have all the talent. I agree with that. But I do feel like yeah. if they expand the playoff, a lot of guys are going to these teams because it's their only chance of competing for a national championship because they haven't mm. seen any other teams compete in the playoff because it's always the same teams every year. Like yeah. sometimes as a Michigan fan, what haunts me is that if they had won that game in 2016, the program would be totally different, like completely, yeah. completely different right now because like they probably would have won the big 10 because they had beaten Wisconsin prior to that, that season. And they probably would have made it to the playoff if that had happened. Yeah. So, and then like, if that happens, you know, it's like, 
The sliding it's whole, doors, yeah. It's sliding doors, exactly. But I do feel like if more teams are making the playoff and have a chance at competing for a national title, more players will want to go to those schools because like, and more recruits will see the appeal of going to that, going to a school like Texas A&M. Obviously Texas A&M doesn't have any problem recruiting, but like Texas A&M, USC, Oregon, like Penn State, maybe like Florida, someplace like maybe North Carolina. I don't know. Like they seem to be kind of on the up. Virginia Tech, like all of these random schools that are like, could possibly make an expanded playoff. I don't know why Virginia Tech was something that came to my mind. But anyway, <laughs> they beat North Carolina week exactly, one. They're, exactly. they're in your brain. So they're in your brain. They're in the periphery. Like Cincinnati, if like a group of five school yeah. could make the playoff. I think if Cincinnati beats Notre Dame and goes undefeated this year, they have they to. They should. That's my take. I, I would, if they are not uh, in and they beat Notre Dame and go undefeated, that is like uh, an absolutely disgusting sound. Okay, I would agree with you, but the problem is I think the Big Ten East is going to cannibalize itself where all three of them are going to end up with at least one or two losses where Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan are all going to end up with one or two. And it's going to be on whatever the tiebreaker is. And then they probably end up taking whoever wins the Big Ten because you assume they'll beat whoever comes out of the West. Because uh, if you lose the Big Ten title game, they're going to probably end up taking whoever wins that, even if it is Iowa. But it just... I. That's the problem with four teams. You're always going to leave with one team who has an argument to get in. And yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard because if you only have four teams, it's like we should be taking the power of five champions, but then somebody's going to yeah. win a championship that probably doesn't deserve it. And I feel like right now, if you're thinking about it, somebody in the SEC is going to make it in. Um, obviously, like I'd probably either Alabama or Georgia, maybe both of them, maybe Texas yes. A&M. Like, so you might have one or two teams from the SEC. Oregon's probably going to be in if they, but who knows what happens with Oregon? I thought Oregon was good last year, and then they lost like four games, and they only played like eight, six, or eight. So I don't know what's going <laughs> yeah. on with them, but I don't know if I see it with Clemson this year. It seems like they've been kind of on so. the ropes, but I don't know if I see it with them. So it feels like they'll there win should the ACC. be they'll, they'll win the ACC. ACC. But it feels like there there could be a spot for Cincinnati to slide in there. Yeah. I don't know. I just fun. feel like to a certain extent, if Cincinnati beat like wins out with the schedule they have and they still don't make it, it's like you're basically proving that a group of five team, no matter what they do, can never like truly compete with any of the other yeah. like higher power teams. Cause like obviously Indiana's not that good this year, which is like tragic because I really I was a believer in Indiana, but I should not have been. Um <laughs> Tom Allen had us fired up last year. He was giving good locker room speeches. He had us roaring to go. I was ready to play for Tom Allen. I was ready to strap up. I know. I was such a, like, Mike Penix, Ty Freifogel. I thought they were going to be good. And they're just, they're not doing that this year. Um, And Notre Dame, like, obviously, who knows what's up with Notre Dame. But... It's a rebuilding it year like for them. They graduated so rebuilding. many guys. Yeah, they graduated yeah. four linemen, a quarterback, three defensive players. They got the best safety in college football. Like I'll give Chip Kelly that. Uh, Chip Kelly. Get Kyle Brown. Hamilton on the Jets, but actually yeah. don't because he would suck if he was on the Jets. But like, please. <laughs> okay, so in this conversation, what is a program you are painfully frustrated with their inability to capitalize on their situation? I wonder what it could possibly be. Don't say Michigan. That's boring. I won't. I won't. But we all know it's true. Um, Because they definitely could be better than they are. Yes. I would say it's hard for me to not be, like, in shock at what has happened to Florida State. 
Yeah. That's like, a really that good should team. be such a good team. Like they are in Florida. They have access to such good talent. Like they could be theoretically recruiting at such a high level. And like they were in such a good spot like 10 years ago. Um, yeah. It should be, they're in a conference where they really don't have a lot of competition. Like obviously it's Clemson, but aside from Clemson, like there really is not another like strong ACC team consistently like year after year. Um, I guess the same goes for Miami. I would say Florida State and yeah. Miami, but Florida State is like so horrible that it's like astonishing yeah. how bad they are. Like it doesn't feel like they should be able to be that bad. They won a national title and had a Heisman Trophy winner 10 years ago and they went to the I playoff know. the year after winning the national title. I don't under how you have I, such I, a dramatic fall off. I just I mean, don't Jimbo get it at left all. them in bad shape. Jimbo left. He did leave them in Jimbo, bad shape, but it's hard to imagine middle, even still that they could have fallen this far, where they're like consistently losing to FCS teams. Yeah, like, that, I mean, yeah. The one I so, always like. It's so hard to not think about teams like Texas, teams like Tennessee that have history. They've produced amazing players. They have all the resources in the world. But I think the problem with a lot of these places is the infighting and the politics of the school that make it impossible to be successful there. The where boosters you have to in Texas are crazy. Yeah. Crazy. You would think appease... at some point they would understand that they're the problem. Yes. <laughs> Like, I didn't think Tom Herman was doing an amazing job, but I also didn't think he was really the problem. I just didn't think they were talented enough to beat Oklahoma yeah. consistently. And that's really all they want. They just want to beat Oklahoma and go to the Big 12 title game. And if they lose the Big 12 title game to Oklahoma, fine. But you got to beat Oklahoma at least once a year if you're going to play them twice a year. But it's like, yeah, theoretically, they should be able to Do win that. the conference. Yeah. A significant amount of the time like they have the resources yeah. they're in a great place where you could recruit like it it doesn't make any sense like it really yeah. it's the boosters need to realize that they're the problem same thing at tennessee <laughs> same thing at a number of these places i mean i think it's time now we talk about michigan in this context because i had one of my friends on who's a jet fan he does sports media stuff he did an internship over the summer with the lions and he made the case that jim harbaugh is still kind of banking on the fact he went to a super bowl 10 years ago and that's basically all of his credibility as a coach because he hasn't been good it's at that the college and level. it's andrew luck yeah and, and i was gonna andrew say luck. and what he did at stanford prior to going to the nfl that's basically and beating usc is like a 40 point underdog that's what jim harbaugh's legacy is as a football coach and so let, let's attack this from two sides of your brain. We'll attack this from the sports side, media side and the Michigan fan side. So which do you mm -hmm. want to start with? We can start with the sports media side. Let's go okay, for it. So objectively, what would you say is a reasonable goal for Michigan football in a normal year based on what they have, who's in their conference and stuff like that? What would you say is a realistic goal for a, a successful Michigan football season? I mean, obviously with like the specter that Ohio State carries, it's hard to say that there is a successful season without beating Ohio State. But I would say like, if you can consistently beat, like maybe not every season, but like on a consistent basis, be competitive with and beat Michigan State and Penn State and Wisconsin and be competitive with Ohio State and beat them some of the time, that should be successful. Like, I think it's very hard for me to say that like a season in which they maybe go 10 and two or nine and three, whatever, but they should have the talent and the ability with the resources that they have at that program 
to like be successful. They do have like a lot of very good players. It's not on the level of Ohio State, but they recruit at about the level of a Penn State. So it does seem like being competitive with and sort of on that same level as Penn State is like what they should be able to do realistically, like with what they have. Um, like they should be on the level with the, obviously not like Ohio State, but the second tier Big Ten teams yes. of like Wisconsin and Penn, and Penn State. Like that feels like a realistic goal for what they're trying to do. And something that with the resources that they have access to and the recruiting classes that they bring in, they should be able to accomplish. Okay, so aside from the game management stuff, because they've had opportunities to beat Penn State, to beat Ohio State, to beat Michigan State over the years, what do you think is holding Michigan back? That's the that's the question. I mean, this is there might not be an answer to it's this. It's the quarterback. Question. It's yeah? the quarterback. It's the quarterback. Shea Patterson. Eh. I was a Shea Patterson guy, which is what sucks. I thought he was going to be pretty good at Michigan. After <laughs> I transferring was, like, out, fun. I thought he was going like, to be pretty good he was okay he wasn't great mm -hmm. but like he was serviceable but like in order to compete with these like with ohio state and with everything you need a quarterback that's better than like serviceable um wilton spate was good that one season and then he hurt his shoulder in that iowa game yeah. and it was never really the same after that um joe milton a disaster obviously um <laughs> i don't think mcnamara is the guy i think they're banking on it being jj mccarthy um uh -huh. I think McNamara is a game manager quarterback. He can hand off the ball to Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins, and they could do it that way. And then he can throw a, the football when it's necessary. I, they keep saying, like, we're going to air it out when we need to. Like, we're running it now because we can, we can. But it does, in order to compete with these teams, you need to have a good passing offense and a good running offense. So, yes. obviously, their, their rushing attack is good right now. It's really, really good. But whether or not Cade McNamara can actually be a deep threat, especially without Ronnie Bell, is like a really, I, I would say the primary concern. JJ McCarthy has an arm, so maybe it'll be him. They also don't have like fantastic receiver talent. Mm. Um, I like think that they're good. Like, I think they're like very serviceable. Obviously without Ronnie Bell this year, it's like hard. Um, yeah. But he'll probably be back next year um they have some guys that clearly have a lot of speed have a lot of talent so i think they could develop but michigan has never been a big like we're going to air it out and do a big offense type yeah. of deal and they have great running backs so maybe they can yeah. make it work i i don't know but they just have never had the quarterback and i then do once think their defense started to tank it was like oh yeah I was, about, I was I was just about to say, and they finally moved on from Don Brown, which I think will help going forward. Cause yeah, I think John Brown was good enough for a yes. bunch of those seasons. And like he did well in 2016, especially. Um, yeah. But it was just, he couldn't keep up with like what the, with the like newer, bigger offenses, yeah. like he just couldn't do it. So it was, it was time. John Harbaugh was like, here, bro, I'll help you out a little bit. I'll give you yeah. a guy for my staff. Go for that. Um, I still don't think that their corners are very good. Um, their passing defense is still pretty bad. Um, Aiden Hutchinson is really good. Their rushing defense yes. is okay. They haven't really played anybody, so it's hard to assess like, what true. they're really doing. But from what I feel like I've seen from watching the games, it doesn't seem like their cornerbacks have really improved all that much. It's still mostly the same guys from last year. So I don't know. We'll see when they play actual competition, if that's gotten better, because they haven't really given their opponents that much time to be on defense like on offense because they're running the ball yeah. so much so they're wasting so much clock um but yeah that's that's the one thing 
defensively that I feel like is still a very big weakness for them. And hopefully it improves for their own sake because they can't keep up with the big teams if they can't defend a pass. But Okay, so this is the question I've gone back and forth on and my opinion has changed. Do you think Jim Harbaugh is a good football coach? Because I... The evidence would say yes. I mean, nine and three, eight and four at Michigan most years is fine, considering who's in your division and the type of talent they have. And his tenure at Stanford, his time with the 49ers. Do you think he's a good football coach? Do you have confidence in Jim Harbaugh as a football coach? I don't know. I really don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to have confidence in him based on like Michigan's past results. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, Michigan was so much worse before he got there with like Brady Hoke and with Rich Rod, they were so much worse. So I think, especially with the idea of like, should Michigan fire Jim Harbaugh, like from the Michigan like fan perspective, I guess, like everybody knows how bad it was with like Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke. And it's like, well, you know, obviously I think there are two schools of thought that like we should be better than we are, which like is probably accurate. And then they're like, well, they're better than they were way better and it's like would you rather be like competitive at least and like have a watchable football product as opposed to like what they had before um so I don't know it feels like part of me is like don't fire Jim Harbaugh just to like maybe get a better coach like yes definitely agree with you have a good option like I feel like maybe Luke Fickle but Luke Fickle's an Ohio State guy so I don't think he would coach here um Mario Cristobal was a guy that I feel like I, as a person, was interested in. Obviously, I'm not a Michigan booster. I go to Northwestern. I'm doing my own thing, but I feel like he could have been good there. Um, I wanted them to get Joe Moorhead also, not as a head coach, but like once the, he got fired from I was Mississippi say, State, I wanted them to bring the, him in. I was going to say, the Mississippi State experiment didn't go well, and I kind of thought it was going to go well for Joe Moorhead, but I wanted them to bring him. I thought as an offensive coordinator, he's fantastic. As like an actual in-game coach, like clearly the game management stuff is just not really his thing. Um, But he like was crazy good at Penn State. And obviously Penn State had crazy talent back then, but like with like Saquon Barkley and KJ Hamler and everybody, but he was so, so good there. Yeah. I mean, everybody on that offense basically went to the NFL. So it was going to be, if you had the right play calling, it was going to be pretty easy for them. So as we move to the last last part of the conversation about looking ahead, what do you want to see the rest of the season? What, what jumps out at you as something that might actually happen that you're pretty excited about football wise? I would like to see a team make the college football playoff for the first time. That's something I would like to see. I feel like okay, that would so who be, are your contenders? Who are your contenders I think this? Cincinnati, for sure. Cincinnati, for sure. Um, Florida? Penn State, Georgia? maybe. Penn State, Florida, yeah. Texas A&M. Yeah, okay. um, who knows? Maybe Iowa will do it. Iowa looks pretty Iowa's, good. Iowa can, yeah. Iowa can fuck <laughs> anything up. That's the thing, man. They will just turn every, any game is just terrifying. Penn State has to terrifying. go there. And they have to play Ohio State at Ohio State, so I'm pretty confident That's be Penn rough. State won't. Penn State's not making the playoff because they're not winning both of those. They're going to lose one, if not both. Yeah, and then they also have like Michigan State looks pretty good. Michigan um, and and Michigan. And they have yeah. Michigan. Yeah, so like it's going to be an interesting. It's going to be an interesting road for them. But I think if anybody makes the college football for the first time, it'll. I would assume it would be either Cincinnati or Texas A&M. Um, yes. Those would be my two like front runners, but. 
I think it would be cool. I feel like we've had the same, same teams every year for two long. Oh, wait, has Oregon made it before? I think they have. Yeah. I think Oregon yeah, has yeah. made it before. Um, every June not in a long year, time. he's right behind him. Right, right. While Mariota was there. Oh, my God. Yeah. That feels like forever ago. It was for That was 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So those would be my two contenders. Otherwise, okay. I don't know. I think it would be interesting to see somebody besides Ohio State win the Big Ten. I think it's been too long since that's happened. Um, Like 2016 Penn State, I think, was the last time. And even then, they were still winning the Big Ten a lot. Maybe it'll be Wisconsin. I don't know. I don't know what to think about Wisconsin. I don't think Graham Mertz is very good. Um, No. (laughs) No, the Penn State game... The Penn State game told me all I needed to know about Graham Mertz. As soon as he actually had to start making decisions and there were contested throws to make, no. He couldn't find anybody with anyone near him on defense. He ran for seven touchdowns against Illinois and was like, I'm a star. And, you know. He got the NIL money. He got the NIL money. It's fine. It's fine. But, yeah. Okay. Um, Those would be my guesses. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, before I get you out of here. The last question I have for you, very straightforward. Mm-hmm. What four teams are going to make the playoff? Oregon. Okay. Alabama. Spicy. Okay. Texas A&M. Ooh. Okay. That's what I'm going for. No. Okay. So Ohio State. I want not Cincinnati, but I don't buy it. I don't think Ohio. I think Ohio State's going to drop another game because I think that okay. they are weaker this year. So that's why I'm not picking them. Um, okay. I don't think anybody in the ACC on Clemson's schedule is good enough to beat them. And I think even though they lost to Georgia, it'll, I think Georgia's probably going to be pretty good. So I think yeah. it'll be hard for them to be like, "Oh, Clemson, it's Clemson. We know them. Yeah, that's our buddy right there." Yeah. Um, that because they don't play anybody like. No, they, they don't, don't play North they Carolina. Don't. Like they don't play any of the teams that could actually like beat them. I, I mean, Georgia Tech almost beat them. So do with that what you will. But <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. If not Clemson, it'll be Ohio State, I think. But yeah. or maybe Cincinnati. Prayers. Prayers for Cincinnati or Iowa or, or Penn State. Someone that's not someone that hasn't been there before. Like it was funny when Michigan State was there with Connor Cook. It was funny when Washington was there. Like those Big things happened, and people people memory hold the fact that Michigan State went to the college football playoff and lost by fifty points to Alabama. That happens, and people don't remember that happened. That wouldn't have happened. Yeah, that's a good point. They hadn't had trouble with the snap. Yeah. <sighs> you poor soul. Like, that's the good thing about not being too invested in any one college football team. I can just adopt people any given season. Yeah. Like, I am, I'm just a Joe Burrow guy. I'm a Baker Mayfield guy. I get to, I got to root for LSU and Oklahoma a couple times. It was fun. We're, we're here for the vibes. That's what I enjoy about college football, the vibes. It, yeah, no... I try not to be too invested anymore because Michigan yeah. does nothing but make me depressed and sad. Um, <laughs> being a Michigan football fan has to be at least – at least we have Juwan Howard. That's what we got to say yeah. to ourselves. <laughs> but it's yeah. like truly one of the most depressed. It has to be one of the top five, like most depressing things to be a fan of. Like, okay, it's not top five. Because what's you, top you get five? The, the Detroit Lions. Oh, definitely Detroit Lions. People in Michigan are cursed. Yeah, that's fair. Michigan <laughs> in general is not great. I mean, they had a Pistons title. They had a couple of Red Wings titles, but no, the Lions nothing football wise. Horrible. Michigan football. Can I dig it? 
They gave Aaron Rodgers a good half last night. I will say that about the Lions. They did. Poor guy who would have gotten $700,000 if the Lions had won. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. You got to sell that ticket at that point. If you get to Monday Night Football. You can't invest it in the Lions. Like, if it was like the Chiefs or something, or even if it had been in the Packers, I would have been like, keep it. But like, never put your faith in the Lions. Yeah, that that messed up. Never the way to go. Before I get you out of here, plug yourself. Plug a young sports media person doing good work. Um, are you telling me to plug myself or plug somebody else? Yes. Right now? Plug oh. yourself. Hi, everyone. You should totally read the things that I'm doing. I'm on Twitter. Um, I think it'll probably be tagged somewhere, but it's Gab yes. L. Carroll. Carroll has two R's and two L's because nobody can ever spell it. Um, my name is really hard to spell for whatever reason. I hate plugging myself because I don't really feel like I do much of anything, but I post all my stuff on there, usually with funny comments. Always try to keep the humor going. Um, that's really go. what's up. That, I'm not doing much, that, but I'm just covering football. Northwestern is not the most exciting team, but we do have a lot of the really sick sports media people that cover it. Um, yeah. Not just me, but like a lot of, obviously Northwestern is like journalism, but we're doing cool stuff. Um, it's a cool team to cover. We get a lot of access. Pat Fitzgerald is a funny figure for sure. Um, he's never going to leave. So we're going to have yeah. 20 more years of this guy and the ridiculous stories that we are getting. So hang out. Northwestern football is weird, but it's fun weird. Those are, those are the best kind of teams to cover, the bad weird teams, because there's always something to do. Like It's, it's not fun if yeah. the team you're covering is mediocre. Either be very good or be bad. Don't be exactly that is the essence of the Northwestern Wildcats. They won the Big Ten West last season, had multiple first round NFL draft picks, like everything was going well. We're seeing them succeed in the NFL every Sunday, and then we watch our team on Saturday, and it's like, wow. We can tell we put a bunch of guys in the NFL. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Greg Greg Newsom is nice. Greg Newsom is legitimately nice. Rashawn Slater has been crazy too. Yes, he's been very good, too. I'm still upset the Giants traded back and then took a wide receiver who has two catches for negative two yards instead of drafting a tackle when we clearly needed a tackle. (sighs) This was very very fun. We will definitely have you back to come talk more about football because I need more people. Hopefully more things will happen over the course of the season. Cincinnati. Hopefully it stays as chaotic as it is now. Cincinnati keep winning. You know what we need? We need Michigan to beat Ohio State this year. This has, we do. That would be the the cherry on top. Like Ohio State beats Penn State. Penn State beats Michigan. Michigan has two losses, and the game doesn't really matter that much to them. But they get up for Ohio State. They finally win because Ohio State's defense isn't as good. That's what we need this Please. year. That's what that. Let's get chaos that, of a three way tie at the top of the Big Ten East for no real reason. Four ways. Let's that, go for four ways. Let's throw Michigan State in there. Why not? Sure. Like, Sure. Let's do it. Good and then Mo- Ohio State wins and loses to Iowa. Let's talk about it. That would be very fun. To, that'd be very Iowa shades National of 2007. That would be shades of 2000. God. I, Kurt when Ferentz Iowa wins the National Championship, what then? Literally. I, but- came, I, I came into this year so high on Iowa just based on how they finished the year last year. And I feel kind of They were of so good at the end the- of last year. Yeah. yeah. They were not giving up any points. That, that game against Northwestern with them in Iowa last year was amazing. That was, that was so such much a good fun. game. That was so much fun. College football is the best. That's Northwestern and Iowa at their peak. 
Yes, that was that was only for football psychos. Nobody exactly. who had like good plans on their Saturday was watching that. But I was glued to my TV. Glued. Well, to as me. a psycho, I will be watching UConn and Vandy in primetime this week. So we get excited. UConn, UMass, UConn, UMass is in like three weeks or two weeks, and I can't wait to watch. I cannot wait to watch. That's gonna be the game. Thank God That's for gonna... UConn. Van- Whoever put UConn and Vandy in primetime, give them a raise. The game they should go deserve. to that. That, that's my hot take. Game day should go to that. They should go to Soldier bad Field's games too. Boring. Go to Vandy, they should go to they they should go to bad games too. That's my game day hot take. Don't only go to the good game of that week. Go to the, go to a bad I game. Know. Go to something exactly. random like that. Uh, like those games are always the most chaotic and weird. Like nothing good yeah. will happen in UConn Vandy, and it'll be terrific for all of us. Yeah. Absolutely nothing positive will come of that, but I'll enjoy it for sure. That's the best part. Because I'm a college right. football psycho. It's great. Yes. It's going to be so fun it, for it, us. It's the best way When Maction comes back, we'll be cooking with that's grease. That's when we thrive. That, that Pac-12 after dark, it's the best. It really is. Just, there's nothing like it. Waiting for Hawaii to kick off at 1 a.m., it's, it's the best. That's the way you got to do it. Arizona yeah. State and BYU absolutely annihilating each other. That was a crazy game. That at was 10:45. crazy. Yeah. That, was, that was crazy. I got back from the whiteout and that was on the TV and I was half asleep. I'm like, wow, they're hitting, hitting out there. Someone's going to get hurt. They were literally going uh, crazy. My dad and I, like I was in Durham this weekend for Northwestern was playing Duke. And then we were like, let's go to the Carolina game. So we got really cheap tickets to the Carolina game on StubHub, watched the second half of that. And then we got back to our, our like my grandparents live there. So we got back to their house and we watched Arizona BYU. Arizona State BYU and it was crazy the Louisville UCF game what the hell was going on there that was nuts this is the best Maryland and Illinois like, I could do this for four hours just I could do this Literally. for four hours this this Thank is God some kind football. of this has got to be some kind of mental disorder this podcast is going to be studied Literally. someday people who are just think? too invested in college football that's the thing, man. Like, I know I should be like doing better things with my Saturday, but like, you know, I could watch for it. But why would but you? What? <laughs> this is better. This is better. Uh, I want to thank Gabriella for stopping by the show. That was a very, very fun episode. I will see you guys tomorrow. We'll probably do a little baseball because we've been slacking. And, you know, the Cardinals are probably going to make the wild card game somehow as like an 84 win team, which shouldn't be allowed. But I will see you guys then. Have a good one.